Welcome to this episode of the Manager Track Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about hybrid management. We're also going to talk about security and what that means for you as a manager. I'm bringing on Dennis Oshie. He's the founder of Mobile Mentor, uh, a company that launched in 2004 and helps its clients navigate the right balance between security and employee experience. His company also recently ran a study on hybrid workforce, so this is something that's top of mind for him. And while this topic is a little different than what you usually hear on the Manager Track podcast, I wanted to bring this on for two reasons. One, I think it's important to address the hybrid workforce and some of the challenges that come up with that. And two, I strongly believe that as a manager across the ranks, you'll have to think about and be proactive in considering and trying to mitigate risks that impact your team. And security in a hybrid or even a remote team is a big deal and even if you are not in a tech team even if this is something that not naturally fits into your job description I strongly believe that understanding security challenges and spending some time investigating and figuring out how you're addressing them with your team or even in a broader context for your organization shows great leadership. It's part of preparing for risks. It's part of strategic thinking as well. So I hope this conversation with Dennis will help on one hand understand a better aspect of hybrid workforce, but on the other hand also might shed some light on the security aspect when it comes to your employees, especially if you're leading a hybrid or a fully remote team. Without further ado, let's welcome Dennis to the podcast. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In this show, you learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Dennis, welcome to the Manager Track podcast. So good to have you here with us today. Thank you, Ramona. It's a pleasure. Uh, well, Dennis, we want to talk to you about the work that you've done in relation to learning more about the hybrid workforce and how managers specifically and leaders need to think about certain aspects of leading hybrid teams. But before we dive into that conversation, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory and what even got you to where you are today and what makes you interested in this space? Oh, thank you. So I started my career in technology about 30 years ago, working with Nokia in Finland. And that was super interesting. And they sent me out around the world to build some of the world's first cellular technology networks. And wow. I ended up in Switzerland, mm -hmm. uh, which is your home country. I ended up there for yes. a few years, which was fascinating. And around the end of my time in Switzerland, I could see a huge problem opening up, which was that the cellular industry was spending billions and billions of dollars every year on this amazing cellular technology that mm -hmm. nobody was using. Nobody mm. was using it. We were just sending text messages and making phone calls. We weren't doing all the clever things with technology. So I left Nokia. I set up a company called Mobile Mentor to help people use the technology they bought. And 18 years later, we're now a technology services company with the difference. We're all about people. Mm. And we care a lot mm -hmm. more about the people 
than we do about the technology. In fact, our number one company value is people before technology. Ah, and so what yeah. I'm all about is understanding how people use technology. What are the barriers to adoption? What are the things that make them productive, make them secure? What are the human implications of the technology we buy and that we yeah. get given by our companies? So that's where I focus, the, the intersection of tech and people. And which I actually think is really interesting because a lot of people listening work in that intersection, you know, so they move from, they're often very technical people and they're moving to leadership and they find themselves very much between moving day in and day out or within yeah. the hours between the two spheres. I'm sure that going through the pandemic, that must have been a bit of an earthquake in terms of things shifting in your field or in these conversations. What was something that you've learned through the pandemic um, that changed the I, way you work or lead or run your company? Yeah, I guess we look back at it now and we realize how much actually changed in those two mm -hmm. years. And it's been extraordinary. And the way we work in our company, everything is remote. Everything mm -hmm. is remote. We do go into the office two days a week, but we don't have to. We do it because we want to be together and you know, there's some energy that happens when we're yeah. in the office, but all the work we do is remote. All the clients we serve, it's remote. We never go on site anymore. So mm -hmm. the way we work has changed profoundly, but the way everybody's working, we think has changed profoundly. And we sum it up by saying there were five massive shifts that happened in two short years that changed more in those two years than the previous 20 years. And the way we think about it is like this, in the previous 20 years, people drove to work and they mm -hmm. usually sat down and they logged into a computer provided by the employer mm -hmm. and they worked for eight hours and they went home. Yeah. And then during the pandemic, the first thing that happened was we were told, go home and figure out how to work remotely. Yeah. And then there was a 500% increase in cyber crime. And so suddenly security became super important. And Wait, in, let me pause for a second. In, you said in the first few weeks or months of the pandemic, there was a 500% increase in cyber crime? Correct. Correct. Wow. Because suddenly we're all in our home offices. And in some cases, we'll be yeah. using personal computers because in many cases, people just had to use a personal device. And then there was the global chip shortage. So mm -hmm. we couldn't buy new laptops and new desktops. So for the first time in history, people are doing BYO laptop or BYO, yeah. you bring your own desktop. Yeah. And then we're sitting in our home office and we're connecting to our domestic Wi Fi, mm -hmm. which is a consumer grade connection that we buy from. Verizon or AT&T or whatever, it doesn't have corporate security on it. Mm -hmm. And so now we've got a personal device on a consumer-grade internet connection, and we're accessing all our work information. Mm -hmm. And we've got patient records or student records or financial data, all that in a very insecure mm -hmm. configuration now in our home environment. And so suddenly all the information we were using was a lot more vulnerable than it ever was previously in yeah. a secure office network and environment. And the hackers knew this. Yeah. And so they could see the soft underbelly of society and cybercrime just exploded. Wow. So you said there were two major shifts. Um, the one was moving, going home, right? When yes. was the, what was the second one? Was the second one using technology from the using personal pers technology? Pers personal technology. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and then I guess the, the third major thing that happened was the great resignation. And the way we think about that was that was a power shift from employers to employees. Yep. Because as an employee, I, I suddenly realized during the pandemic that if I want to change a job, all I have to do is take this laptop, put it in a FedEx bag and send it away, open a new FedEx bag, take out the new laptop, plug it into my same monitors, 
connect yeah. to my same Wi-Fi. I sit down at the same seat at the same desk. I've got a new job. Yeah. It was that easy. So suddenly all this liquidity happened in the workforce that previously would have been harder to, to achieve because people had to commute and meet new people and do all this. Suddenly this was all happening so fast and so easy because the employees had the power. Yeah. And I think, you know, I talked to a lot of HR folks and in leaders, which both are the groups that I think were impacted by this the most, who had to manage their workforce, their team through these transitions and deal with the potential resignations or the actual factual resignations, and then figuring out how do they maintain productivity and ensure that uh, work was delivered on time and in the quality needed despite all these changes or aim at all yes. these changes. Yes. And it's still ongoing. Yeah. You know, this whole conversation on quiet quitting now and what's going on there. A hundred percent. It's still, it's still ongoing. So you said you did a study at the end of 2021, if I'm correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah right. What were some of the findings from that study that maybe surprised you personally? We talked earlier before we hit record about the, even the generational difference. I'd love to hear some of that. Sure. Well, we sliced the data by generation, Gen Z young millennials, older millennials, Gen X, which is my generation, and then the mm -hmm. baby boomers. Mm -hmm. And there were some similarities, but a profound difference between Gen Z and all the other generations in a couple of areas. And one of them is attitudes and perceptions around security. And to dig into it, we need to understand where Gen Z is coming from. And we now know that they're the first generation to arrive in the workforce with no recollection of 9-11. So everybody else knows exactly where we were, what we were mm -hmm. doing, who we were with on the day of 9-11. I was in Switzerland. I can remember mm -hmm. exactly. And I'm sure you can remember what you were 100%. doing. 100%. Yeah. But Gen Z cannot. They were probably crawling around the living room in nappies. Yeah. And it went right over their heads. Yeah. And we went through the next 20 years of our lives profoundly impacted by 9-11. And security kind of weighed upon us. If you think about a homeland security yeah. and cyber security and even airport security, we just had security thrown upon us in mm -hmm. every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. Gen Z didn't really see that or experience that. And they went through their education. Then they joined the workforce during a pandemic. In many cases, they joined the workforce remotely. They didn't go to a typical you know, onboarding like you would pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. And they've had a totally different world experience to everybody else in the workforce. Mm -hmm. And how that shows up is when we ask them questions like, when was the last time you did any security awareness training? They say, never. Yeah, what they is that? They may have done it, but yeah. they don't remember it. It didn't uh, register. Yeah. Or we, say thing, we ask them questions like, when was the last time you saw a security policy at work? And a percentage of them say, never. And we yeah. call BS on that because everybody in the company gets a security awareness training yeah. or they see a security message when they're logging into their computer. Yeah. Gen Z doesn't notice it in the way other generations notice it. But then the flip side to that is when we ask questions like, when was the last time you saw a privacy policy? Oh my God. They see the privacy policies. They read them. They notice them. They remember them more mm -hmm. than any other generation. Mm-hmm. And there's a real dichotomy here because Gen Z is the generation that share their entire lives on social media, mm -hmm. everything about them, right down to their pet's name. And we yeah. also know from the research that the pet's name is the key to their password. 
for 15%, (laughs) the pet's name is the basis of the password. And they're sharing all this detail on social media, but they tell us privacy is super important. And yet they're kind of invisible to security. So there's some really interesting nuggets in this. And if you're a manager and you're managing Gen Z employees, you're hiring them, you're bringing them in. One of the big things we learned is that we need to change our language. Because if we talk to them about corporate security or company security policies, whatever, it goes right over their heads. Mm-hmm. We're, not gonna, we're not going to meet them where they are. So we need to flip the message a bit and make it more personal to them mm-hmm. and change it to be something like, hey, Ramona, we want to make sure that your personal details never get compromised. We want to make mm-hmm. sure that your social number, your salary, your driver's mm-hmm. license number, all that never get leaked on the dark web, never get sold, traded, compromised in any way. And we want mm-hmm. to do the same for your colleagues and our customers. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're rolling out these tools. or That's why we're taking mm-hmm. these initiatives or why we have to do this training, because it's about your information. Mm-hmm. And if we frame it like that, we get their attention because they care. Interesting. Yeah. So interesting. What were some of the findings that you had about the increased risk in terms of security if we compare the pre-pandemic work environment versus what we've experienced over the last few years? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. <clears throat> there were two shockers. And the first one was with passwords. Now, we are, we're all sick of passwords, right? But the, the research showed how fatigued we all are with our mm-hmm. passwords, how mm-hmm. people are just so over it. And we found that out by asking questions like, um, where do people save their passwords? Or how do they store them? Mm-hmm. And the, the results were shocking, quite shocking. About 31% of people are writing their work passwords in a personal notebook. Mm-hmm. And then about a quarter of people are putting their work passwords on an app on their personal phone. Yeah. And some people are putting them on a document that goes into Dropbox or whatever. But yeah. very few people are using a proper password management tool. Yeah. And people admit to us that they choose easy passwords. Yeah. And we know they use their pet's name or maybe date of birth or something like that. So as a society, we're over it. We're fatigued with passwords. We've got lazy and our password hygiene is really bad. And, and that's one of the reasons why we're getting busted and why companies yeah. are getting hacked and compromised and, and ransomed is because password hygiene is so poor. The bad guys don't need to break in anymore. They just log in with our weakest password. Yeah. I cannot imagine life without, I say this all the time, especially to to my uh, family members who don't use a password manager. I don't know how you do life without a password manager. (laughs) (laughs) How it seems so unproductive to type it up or to open a folder, but it's habit, right? It's it's how we get into these habits and what seems easier, what we trust more. And that's what we gravitate towards. As a caring and driven manager, I know you want to strengthen your leadership skills, advance your career, and lead a high-performing, engaged team. And in order to do that, as a leader, you need to lead with a system, not by shooting from your hips or reacting to everyone else around you. To do so, you need to first learn what should go into a leadership system, and second, develop your own. Now, the good news is that I teach you one must-have part in your leadership system in a concise, actionable, and yet comprehensive course focused on running successful one-on-one meetings with your direct reports. It includes over 67 minutes of tactical leadership training, 
plus a set of resources to make this as easy and immediately applicable for you as possible. You can either watch the video lessons or listen to it through a private podcast feed on your phone. You can get your hands on this course, which I want every single manager to have for a nominal $19 at RamonaShaw.com slash one one. That's two times the number one. You can check the show notes for the details or head on over to RamonaShaw.com slash one one to get started right now. But as a manager specifically, if you look at anyone listening right now, what is the alarm bell that you hope goes off in their heads and what can they do about it right away? The alarm bell that I hope is going off by now is realizing that your employees probably have an average of 97 passwords. Gen Z workers have been in the workforce the shortest time, but they've mm-hmm. actually accumulated a crazy number of passwords already. Because Did you say quite 97? Tense. Yeah. 97 passwords. Yeah. And Gen Z seems to have more. They've got so many accounts and services and apps and things going on. It's amazing how many passwords they have accumulated Mm -hmm. and they're careless with them. They don't understand the gravity of Mm -hmm. a security breach. They just Mm -hmm. don't get it. And so if you're a leader, first thing is recognizing there's a major time bomb with -hmm. all the passwords in your organization. So very short term, you know, there needs to be a password manager for everybody. Mm -hmm. That's short term, but longer term, you need to go password less and mm-hmm. remove passwords completely from mm-hmm. everything we do and rely on biometrics and single sign-on and multi-factor authentication. The technology we've already got mm-hmm. and like the experience you have with your iPhone today, yeah. it scans your face and signs you in and all this, we can do that with our laptops now and all our devices and we can go passwordless. That's mm-hmm. the only safe way to get out of the hole we're in right now. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if that's going to take some time or say, get a password management tool really quickly, because you can't trust browsers. You know, a lot of people save their passwords in their browsers, really bad idea. Mm-hmm. And writing them down and putting them in apps and Dropbox, really bad idea. And yeah. so you have to go password less, but in the short term, get a password management tool. So maybe the insight here or the immediate takeaway is if you're a manager and you're leading, you're responsible for a team, this is the moment to ask your team what do you do with your passwords? Like in a one-on-one conversation, ask everyone, how do you store your passwords? How do you manage passwords? Tell me about your tech setup and how are you using your personal devices versus company devices and um, making sure that you as a manager know the policies of the organization, both the privacy policies and the security policies and procedures. And then um, what else? I'm just, I'm riffing here of what comes to mind as I think about if I were in a manager role and I had to think about this, what would I, what would I do? What, what would you add to this? One of the things that came out of the study that was quite shocking was that 71% of Gen Z's believe other organizations are doing a better job with technology than their own company. 71%. Oh. Now that's really interesting yeah. because Gen Z, in most cases, they're in their first job, right? Yeah. They, can't, they came out of the education system. They got their first job during the pandemic but they think the grass is greener elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And when we dig into, and they might, they might not be right, but that's their perception. Mm-hmm. That's their perception. So what it means is that if we put pressure on them and we try and beat them over the head with old school thinking around security and the way they should behave at work, or if we try and force them to come back into the office in a way that they might not want to, mm-hmm. they will walk, they will leave us. 
because 71% of them think other companies are doing a better job. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very, very deliberate in how we embrace Gen Z to not push them away. Mm-hmm. You'd be very deliberate. And one of the many things we learned about them is that when they come into the workforce, it takes about three days just to get their computer set up. And it requires three support tickets and it's three painful days of back and forth. And now you have to uninstall this and reinstall it and then put in your code and all this mm-hmm. nonsense goes on for three days. So they're looking at employers in today's environment. They're going, this is ridiculous. There must mm-hmm. be a better way of doing this because their personal technology is not that difficult. Mm-hmm. But what they're seeing in, in, in big corporations is clunky, outdated, slow support processes and technology that really was not intended for remote workers, in mm-hmm. particular, people being onboarded remotely. Mm-hmm. And so we think there's a big job for company leadership to do now, which is to make all their onboarding processes and their the way they engage with this generation Make it slicker, make it faster. Hide the security is one of the key things we need to do. We talk about invisible security mm-hmm. so that we have better security in everything we do, but it's hidden. Mm-hmm. And going passwordless is a good example. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's secure, but we, we kind of hide it. And that's how we think we will empower Gen Z by hiding it from them, but making sure it's everywhere. Yeah, not make it cumbersome in the process where they where they think this is way more complicated than it has to be because correct yeah their personal setups work seamlessly yeah yeah and when we think about the attitude thing the 71 percent who think other companies are doing a better job we worry about that because everybody we talk to is trying to hire more gen z people Mm -hmm. you know whether it's in tech or in restaurants or we need more teachers in our schools we need more nurses in our hospitals we need more drivers everybody desperately needs gen z but I don't believe as a society, we have really figured out yet how to fully embrace them and empower them. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I worry about is that if we make Gen Z feel like they are a problem generation, mm-hmm. we're going to create a massive problem. Mm-hmm. You know, If we tell them that you're not paying attention to our security mm-hmm. and you're careless with your passwords, we're going to push them away. And that's mm-hmm. that would be a terrible mistake. And, and the reason I'm concerned about that is we did that with millennials. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can remember, but, you know, 15, 20 years ago, going to conferences and hearing people say unkind things about the millennial generation, oh, yeah. how difficult they were. And, you know, there was a lot said and written about millennials. Yeah. And now we stop and take a step back and look at what they've done. Look at what they've built. It is extraordinary. They've basically built the digital lives we live in. Everything from Venmo to Zoom that we're using now to mm-hmm. Spotify millennials built this amazing digital world for us Mm -hmm. and i wonder what will gen z do yeah what world will they create yeah how do we empower them and set them up for success and and not not make them feel like they're a problem generation Mm because we did that to millennials and i think Mm -hmm. it was terrible such a great point from a manager's point of view what is it that you think they should do with this in mind and i specifically want to ask about tactical things here because yeah I want to bring this conversation to the podcast and to the listeners because I think it's really important to think about security and I'm actually I'm going to ask you a follow-up question to this of what is actually the risk so if there is a breach what could happen just to make that that case and, and illustrate some of the potential consequences but also because there is something about being proactive as a leader being prepared and that's a 
that's a, I don't know, it's a, a value, a virtue, something that I really, really uh, want to hone in on that for leaders to have a strategic mindset, to consider risks and threats, to be prepared and to act proactively will make all the difference. And this is one particular area that I think often gets overlooked, especially if we're young, if you're young, you don't like security stuff, right? <laughs> or you're not, you're not really seeing the value of it. Because uh, maybe you've never gone through bigger issues um, on the security front. And then how do we embrace it? So what are some tactical things to do? And then let's talk about some of the potential ramifications if, if this is sure. not done properly. The overarching theme is reducing friction. Mm -hmm. So Gen Z perceives the workplace of today is full of friction. Their onboarding okay. experience had lots of friction. Yeah. Getting support from IT had lots of friction. Getting anything new set up is a pain. Yep. So we, we need to lower and reduce the friction. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, it's doable with modern technology. So my guidance to any of your, your listeners, if you're in management, is um, talk to your IT about modernizing the way you secure your environment and the way you deploy technology. Mm -hmm. Because if you're using standard technology like Microsoft 365, which most organizations have, you already have the ability to modernize a lot of these processes. Like mm -hmm. we know that companies can get new employee fully up and running in one hour mm -hmm. if you use the technology properly and use yeah. something we call zero touch yeah. deployment or zero touch provisioning. One hour, you can get that person up and running yeah. and you can have them working really securely so they never have to use a VPN. Yeah. VPNs are a pain, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you can get them working in a way that they're passwordless. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. They're not having to manage 97 passwords for their digital lives. Yep. And we can set up these technologies, even Microsoft technologies lend themselves beautifully to this so mm -hmm. that the employee experience is really elegant and, and we're almost hiding the IT. We're hiding mm -hmm. the technology and the security and we're putting the employee experience first mm -hmm. and reducing friction. And when we do it right, they're actually more secure than ever before, mm -hmm. but, it's, but it's hidden and re Good. reduces friction and yeah. companies that get that right will be able to hire and retain good employees companies that say to employees you know we've got old school thinking and you've got to come into the office and we have a network and we have a domain and you have to use a vpn and th they're going to lose the battle for talent yeah. they're just going to lose it and they're probably going to lose the security battle as well which is interesting, so, right? Because we're now in a, in a time where unemployment is low, but we all have the recession worries happening at the same yes. time. And so losing employees right now is harder than, than ever before because of the low unemployment rate. And yet yeah. a lot of companies are really focused on optimizing performance and productivity in-house yeah, and need to do so in order to survive. Yeah or get through the recession and come out still healthy and strong on the other side. What I'm hearing from you is one, make that case, right? And investigate and look for what are ways to have less friction in the process. But as an immediate action, I wonder if the prompt here is managers, leaders out there, investigate the gaps. Talk to your employees to figure out what is actually at risk. What are we how many passwords do you have? What's your process? Where do we have exposure and vulnerabilities that when we get hacked or when there is an attack, what would be at risk? Is that right? So do that gap analysis as first and foremost and share that with upper management. 
And, and that really should be done by the IT team. And they're probably already doing that, having some kind of a risk analysis and hopefully an incident recovery plan. So when there is an attack, and for most companies, it's a matter of when now, not if. Yeah. Hopefully there's a plan in place. Here's what happens. Here's the sequence of events. Here's how we communicate and notify and mm-hmm. all those things. But that the practical steps I think that can be taken are firstly, changing the communication, talk to people about protecting their personal information. Mm-hmm. then they will get it and understand it mm-hmm. and then seek to go on this journey of going passwordless mm-hmm. just you know passwords were a great invention in 1961 mm-hmm. but it's now 61 years later and we realize they're the number one reason we're getting hacked so yeah. we just have to get away from passwords we shouldn't have 61 year old technologies <laughs> in our digital lives today yeah and then the third thing is probably engaging in a constructive conversation with your IT department mm-hmm. about reducing friction for employees mm-hmm. and making that onboarding experience really slick. Mm-hmm. So thinking about getting the, the new employee onboarded mm-hmm. at least in the first morning. So all their devices are fully yeah. set up, configured. They've got all their applications. They're authenticated yeah. and making that a really elegant experience. So the employee goes, wow, you guys have got it together. This is yeah, great. I'm ready to work. Yeah, absolutely. I'm ready to I'm ready to work. Yeah. Rather than putting them through three days of torture, uh, which <laughs> is the harsh reality out there in industry today. Totally. It's, it's a way to connect them to the rest of the organization, especially the IT department. Yeah. <laughs> That'll quickly make me <laughs> and, and, and IT is the great enabler. You know, they're <laughs> they really are they are the great enablers. They've got the tools, they've got the capability to make this happen. Yeah. Uh, okay, so seeking that conversation. When we are talking about the friction and employees thinking it's easier and the grass is greener on the other side and jumping ship. And so the risk is that we lose employees, especially high performers that we don't want to lose. But the other risk is actually the technical vulnerability or the cyber attack. So let's talk about what you see. What are some of the scenarios that you've experienced and you've helped co- companies overcome when there was an attack that that teams are vulnerable to? We're generally not involved during an attack. We Sometimes we are, but generally not. But I'll tell you where we see the greatest vulnerabilities. Um, talked about passwords, but it's um, what we call shadow IT. It's where employees start to use tools and applications and storage locations that were not provided by their company. Mm-hmm. So, for example, people start using Gmail for mm-hmm. work. People mm-hmm. start using Dropbox or other things. And they perceive that there's some friction with the mm-hmm. tools that were given to them by the employee. So mm-hmm. they decide to share a large file on Gmail or save something on Dropbox, whatever. Suddenly the company information is getting fragmented. You lose mm-hmm. track of where it is. And some of those tools might be compromised or get yeah. compromised. And then what? So what if it gets compromised? Like what would a manager actually have to worry about? Let's say if we're working on a project and we spin up a Dropbox folder because we think that's going to be easy. We save yeah. all the project folders in there. If that yeah. gets compromised, then we have a problem. Let's say there was a client list or yeah. something like that. Now we have to notify every client. Sorry, we lost your data. Yeah. Now our, now our business is in trouble. Yeah. And that's I think that's one of the key points here. Anytime you have to go and reach out to customers or partners, even vendors, and say your data was compromised, it's a huge reputational risk. Huge. Huge. Right. And huge. so we have a reputational risk. We obviously have a financial risk. We could have the ransomware um, that would actually prohibit us from working and cost us a lot of money. Um, what else would you say are some of the top things people need to be aware of? 
if I put myself in the shoes of being a manager, I'd say like, why should I care? Like, why, why does this matter? I get that we should, like, it's a nice policy privacy to have in place, but what's at stake? And so I think like really noticing that if I have to write an email and the CEO is going to call me up and ask me, why is is this happening? And why do we have to now email all our clients to say that their data was compromised? It's a good incentive. Yeah. And there's an even (laughs) bigger one now, which is that the insurance companies are getting advised now by the security community on how to tighten up on cyber insurance policies. And basically the insurance companies have been paying out the ransoms for the last Mm -hmm. couple of years to their ransomware attacks. And and they're fed up. They're really Mm -hmm. fed up. So what they're doing is they're tightening up all the terms of the policies. And going forward, they're going to be saying, no, we're not going to pay your ransom because you didn't do the following things you should have done to protect Mm. yourself. And that can cost millions. Yep. That will cost millions. So what's going to happen is every year, the insurance premiums are going to rise very quickly. Mm-hmm. and the terms and conditions are going to get more and more difficult. Yeah. So many companies will look at insurance policies and go, we can't afford it. We're, we, we're, we don't have the technical maturity to tick mm-hmm. all the boxes on the policy without lying. And you can't lie to your insurance company mm-hmm. and they won't be able to afford the premium. So they'll go, we're going to have to be self-insuring and just take the risk. And if you do that, if you're self-insuring and take the risk and you do get ransomed, there's a big risk that that will drive the company out of business. Wow. Yeah. Just to make the point before we close the, close this episode, this conversation, you know, it really, it really brings it, it really brings this, this really brings it to the point where this is not a nice to have, this is not ticking the box on something, but ensuring and having these conversations around security could be what makes or breaks the business in the long term, And it depends on the people and depends on the people. Ramona, one one other thing that came out of the study we did, which was really interesting, is that we believe trust between employees and employers is probably at an all-time high. It really is very high. Hmm. And we got that sentiment through many of the data points. And we think it results in the fact that during the pandemic, the employers were genuinely caring and checking in on their employees. And there was a lot of checking and a lot of communication, a lot of you know people cared about the welfare of their employees and mm-hmm. how they were coping. And mm-hmm. we've come out of the pandemic in a really good place. Our research showed that people are working longer hours now than before the pandemic, yet their job satisfaction is higher. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're working hard, they're happy, they trust their employers, they believe their employers have been looking out for them. And so we think if you're in a leadership position now, how you use that trust and the next two or three decisions you make are going to be super important because two bad decisions will destroy that trust. But if Mm -hmm. you can harness it and make a couple of good decisions and leverage it to keep making the workplace better, Mm -hmm. it's going to get a lot better because trust is at a really great point. Mm, Great point. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being on the podcast, Dennis. I enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for sharing your perspective on this. And I think it's a really uh, important conversation to have and something to think about as a manager and as a leader, because if if a breach happens under your watch, that is not something that you want to be known for or have to stand for or have to show up for. Um, Some of this is inevitable, right? And to the extent that we do have vulnerabilities and some of it is out of our control. When I say out of our control, I mean, 
individual managers, depending on the size of the organizations, may not fully control the technical setup. But being proactive and showing that you care, that you're aware that this is an issue and it's an increasingly important issue and that you've done your due diligence and you prepared the team and you provided the training and you set yourself up to mitigate yourself and your team up to mitigate those risks will be, I think, how you demonstrate leadership in such situations. Totally agree. Totally agree. Well said. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on. Um, it was great chatting. Thank with you, you. Ramona. Thank it's you. been really enjoyable. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident Incompetent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com book and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at RamonaShaw.com masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.